All right, we're back. Uh, this is Joe Aiken, um, one of your hosts on Discovering Forestry Podcast. And we have with us tonight also our other host, Corey. Hello, Corey. Hey, Joe. How are you? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. I'm excited about tonight's podcast. I think it's going to fit right in with uh, the direction we've been heading. Yeah, that's it. Joe, and for the folks just joining us on our podcast series, welcome. What took you so long to get here? Uh, but for some of the other guests who have been with us for a while, it's, it's been interesting. We've, you know, I think both of us have learned quite a bit, and we always put this offer out to folks. Please let us know what you want to talk about, right, Joe? Let the viewers, listeners, let us know. Yeah, I think between you and I, Corey, we got a good group of people that we can call on, and it, I, you know, I... I, uh, I'm kind of humble. I don't think of myself as an industry expert, but I have a very fortunate in you are that we get to work with a lot of amazing people in this industry. Uh, just like our guest tonight. Our amazing guest tonight coming all the way from the exotic Florida lands. Please welcome to the podcast, JB. JB, how are you? Oh, I'm great. You guys are too kind. Yeah. Well, wait till the end. <laughs> yeah, the, the show just started, JB, but uh, would you mind just giving the, the viewers and the listeners just the 10 second tour? Who are you? What's your history? And um, yeah, let us know a little bit about you. Well, who am I? Well, um, I do work for ArborJet. I haven't been there quite as long as ArborJet Joe. I think what uh, I think I'm going on 12 years with ArborJet. Um, before that, I worked for Lesco. John Deere Landscapes, now Site 1, and prior to that, uh, Davy Tree. Um, I'm a certified arborist here in Florida, and um, love what I do. We've got a lot of diversity down here in Florida with the plant material, uh, palms, hardwoods alike. So um, there's a lot, lot of challenges, but it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I was, uh, I just got back from, uh, you know, we did a, a spring break down there with the kids, drove down from Michigan. And it's, uh, you know, when you're a tree nerd, like we are, you're always just fascinated with different locations and the uh, the flora that you look. And on the drive down I-75 into Florida, it was amazing that when you start getting into Southern Georgia, uh, close to the Florida line, man, does the landscape change quick? Uh, which includes one of the the the, the topic of today is you know you're in Florida when you see your first palm tree. So, Joe, you're exactly right. And if you notice, too, as you drive through Florida from north to south, the landscape changes completely. The further south you get, the more exotic it gets. Um, that's what I mean. We've got, um, I think we've got zones um, 8 through 10 here, or 11 it could be. So we've got a lot of different agronomic zones. And... Um, it, the further south you get, definitely the more you, you, you notice the flora much more, or you notice the, the thickness of the cuticle, the leaves, it gets much more tropical the further south you get. So, uh, JB, both Joe and I are, are originally from the Midwest. We spent a good portion of our time in the Midwest and uh, probably just spring, you know, some spring break trips down to Florida. But like Joe was saying, the plant materials night and day different. 
And we get a lot of people texting us, messaging us, hey, talk about palms, talk about palms. What are people doing for palms? So uh, we, do, we, we do want to make a distinction. Is, is, first off, is a palm a tree? <laughs> well, that's a great question. A, a tree's um, actually a dicot, right? We've got many buds in a tree. A, a palm is a monocot. So actually, we call palms trees, and actually, um, the sable palm or the cabbage palm is the state tree of Florida, but is actually more closely related to a grass. But palms can get up to 180 feet tall. So, um, you know, we consider them trees, but, uh, you know, basically they're more of a grass plant. They're a, they're a monocot, one bud in most cases. So um, that's why they need to be protected because if that bud dies, the, the palm dies. And we have a lot of issues down here in Florida that are affecting palms. Uh, in the state of Florida, there, there's 11 palms that are actually native to the state of Florida, but hundreds and hundreds are planted. And there's also a lot of hybrids. So it makes things you know, really challenging down here from a plant healthcare standpoint. What, what palm did you say is the, or the Florida state? Is the, it's well, the cabbage, cabbage palm. It's a sable. Um, okay, so sable palm. Is that native to Florida, though? It is native to Florida, yes. Okay, I'm, I'm glad they picked one that was actually native. <laughs> um, but I think what, what you said, amazing, is that it's very similar to, obviously, the, the, the landscape's different. But if you look around the world, we, were, we, were, we had a great group on last week, actually from down under from, from Australia, and we got to talking about the issues with uh, – urban forestry and forestry down there isn't much different than the issues that we have here. So when we start talking about palms, um, you know, maybe, you know, if we have time, we'll get into insects and diseases. And um, is it hard to grow all these non-native plants in a non-native area? Are they more susceptible to, to stresses? Do they do well down there? Well, yeah, and it's, a lot of the palms aren't even grown in Florida. A lot of are come in from California, Arizona, and Texas. Um, it's always a problem down here in Florida too. We've got very sandy soils, very alkaline soils. So, and with not having native uh, species, it's always a challenge to get the proper nutrients in the palms. And yes, there is a variety of insect issues. There's a variety of disease issues. I don't know how deep we want to get into that, but um, there are a lot of issues with them. Uh, anytime, I don't, it doesn't matter where you are in the, in the world, right? If you're planting non-native plant material, there's always a lot of, of labor and work that goes into it to keep those plants healthy. Yeah, I, you know, when you're down there and I was, like I said, when I was down there, it was amazing to, you know, obviously, like I said, you hit Florida, you know, you see a first palm tree, then your, your blood pressure drops. And I, I, I'm not sure if that's still for you after being down there for as long as you have, but <laughs> well, you got to admit, they're beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it is. That's Florida. You know, when you get to, especially when you get down to South Florida and you see the coconuts and, and the royal palms, they're, they're very majestic and they're very tropical. And I think, you know, from a standpoint of, of people coming to Florida, it is, it's a relaxing thing. You know, it's more relaxing than seeing a, a hammock strung, strung up between two coconut trees, right? Um, but yeah, there's a, it, it's a lot of work. And, um, you know, even here in Florida, you have situations where somebody might have been in South Florida and they want a palm planted in central or northern Florida, let's say a royal, and um, 
they just can't take the cold temperatures. And we've, we've got a lot of different temperature swings between North, Central, and South Florida. And, and that affects palms. But, you know, everybody sees that beautiful palm they want, and they don't realize that even though they live 250 miles away, that palm may not do well in that area. Yeah, we, that's funny because we, well, we, we always talk about right tree, right site, right, right. Plant right site it's so crazy to think because florida for a lot of us is so exotic it's so here it's so crazy to hear that and to think about that well we we think of a lot of the palm trees down here as annuals right (laughs) oh sure you know i mean you go up in the pan well i'm just saying up in the panhandle they plant a lot of you know even up there they plant more exotic uh palms that aren't really uh, cold weather friendly and um, they may last for a few years till we get a, a cold snap like look, look what happened just recently in Texas right and I talked to Emmett about that um, they're going to lose a lot of palms after that cold snap the medules uh, they're going to be more susceptible to bud rot to trunk rot uh, because of green uh, cold snaps like that so you'll get away with it for a few years until that one cold snap comes in and then all of a sudden you're going to realize that you lost a lot of money in a lot of palms because of that. Is there a deciduous palm? You know, cause you think about- Not that I know of, no. You, know, you think about up here, you know, they go through a cycle, uh, they leaf drop. The leaf drop is actually, you know, part of the, uh, the, the tree flushing and cycling. Everything gets trapped in a vacuole, drops leaves, regenerates mm-hmm. uh, waste. There, uh, uh, being that it's a grass, uh, they, there's no deciduous palm that will drop fronds and then and regenerate, or is it just continue well, to grow and grow and then? Well, there, there, are, there are palms that they call self-pruners, like a royal, where they'll, they'll drop the lower fronds after they get, uh, you know, after they lose all their chlorophyll. And other ones, you know, like a, a queen that don't, that you have to get up there and you have to prune out the, the lower fronds as, as the palm. Palms grow upwards. Trees grow outwards. Palms grow upwards. Uh, no, there's not a deciduous palm, again, because it's more of a grass plant. But um, there are palms that will drop fronds. And again, you have to be very careful of that, too, because those fronds can be very, very heavy. So again, that's a maintenance type thing and a safety thing that you have to make sure that those those uh, palms are pruned up properly. Now, w- while we're on the topic of safety and maintenance with palms, uh, part of a territory in a previous life for me was covering the, the Arizona and then the, um, the Las Vegas market. And can you please just refresh my memory, maybe inform some of our listeners on, I remember that it's a very specific time to have them pruned. I think after they flower or fruit or. Here, here basically what way we prune them is once those bottom front you know really like with anything you have to think of it um as a plant and you don't want to over prune them it's basically when the lower fronds brown out prune them if they're still green in them keep them on because that chlorophyll will get back into the plant but a, a lot of, you know there's certain situations where uh if it's a formal situation that they won't allow that. But kind of as a rule of thumb, uh, you want to keep your palms pruned at about um, at three and nine, and maybe no more than two and 10. And you kind of look at it that way. Um, right. The more, the more, like anything, the more green you take off of a plant, 
the less food it's producing, the less chlorophyll. So that that's kind of, it's not really a, a flowering thing. It's just more of a, the, the lower fronds. Good to know. Yeah, another, uh, another important thing, I think, the, of the listeners, uh, as, a, as a climber, they're probably, you know, pruning palms are one of the most dangerous trees to prune. They also, are. Uh, I was talking to you earlier in the month and we talked about, you know, why aren't there more coconut palms? And there's a couple of palms you said because the fruit is so heavy uh, and the danger of getting clunked in the melon walking around them. Um, but even the overall weight of a frond collapsing on a climber has killed and suffocated numerous climbers through the years. Exactly. And, and that, that happens uh, uh, more often than we'd like to see. Um, you know, to, to prune a palm, you really know, need to know what you're doing. Um, and, and you're exactly right. Those, those, you know, those, those fronds can weigh 80, hundred pounds easily in, um, in, in the fruits. You know, when you look at the size of coconuts or, or even, even the, the seeds on, on a, um, a queen palm, they, they become very, very heavy. It's amazing. A frond. I can't believe it. Collapse. Oh yeah. Corey, I don't know if you've ever seen that, but. Yeah. A lot of guys will get trapped up underneath there on a hot day, pruning these fronds, and it won't cut all the way. It'll collapse on them. It'll bring two or three down. Next thing you know, you got two or 300 pounds pinning you against the bowl, and you can't get out. Yeah. I, I never even thought about that. And that's just, as you're saying, that each of those fronds can weigh that many hundreds of pounds. I'm just thinking about one of the last palms we were down in, in Florida, about a, oh, back in November, they were planting some palm trees. There's almost no root mass on those transplanted uh, plants compared no. to, you know, you think, you think of, you know, you're going to spade in a tree somewhere in the Midwest or out here, you got this huge root ball <laughs> for these palm trees. It's like, it's almost nothing. It's really what we call a root mat. It's a root mat. Um, they, they do, they can, the roots can go out quite a ways. But when they plant them, it's a very small, what we would call a root ball, right? Um, and it's a root mat. And they, they, will, they will root very quickly, though. Most palms, it all depends what type. Like I said, here in Florida, we got 11 palms that are actually native. But there are hundreds of different palms and, and hybrids, too. And they all have different growing patterns. And, um, uh, but, yeah, it's a, a totally different uh, concept than, like, than planting a tree. Wow. When we, you and I, uh, you and I were doing some ride-alongs way back in the day when you first started, it was the first time that I've seen how they moved trees in Florida. And I don't know if it was palms or if it was live oaks. Remember the they were they would bore a one-inch hole straight through the bowl. Yeah, that was that's that's large live oaks. Yeah, they'll they'll they'll, they'll put a um, they basically will um, on, on on live oaks that are you know eight inches, ten inches, um, it's it's really um, less harm to the tree to, to drill a hole straight through the, the trunk and put a rebar through it and pick the, pick the tree up that way than to strap it. Because uh, strapping can do a lot more damage, you know, to your cambium layers and things like that. So yeah, it's, uh, um, that's, that's how it do is done on large, large oak trees. They don't do, that's not done on a palm oak? Not on palms, no, no. So can, can I ask a question? So for, for some of the listeners who are just maybe just getting into our boriculture, 
the cambium is the layer of cell division. So what forms uh, in a tree, what forms on the inside of that becomes xylem and the outside becomes phloem and then eventually bark. JB, do, do palms and some of those tropical species, I think I already know the answer, but do they produce cambium or is all that growth coming up top? What, what do they Basically, do? Basically, uh, you know, it, it, and like, like you said, Corey, you know, a tree, it, it puts out growth rings. Um, uh, a palm actually is, is all vascular bundles. So you've got your xylem and your, your phloem and your cambium all in, I, I say it's more like a, a, a conduit. It's more like a, a sponge the way that things move up. So you've got all these vascular bundles. Um, and so you don't have compartmentalization in a palm like you do a tree either. We, we don't have the coated uh, in a palm tree. So um, treating them, and if we're injecting them too, we have to be very careful about that too. You know, you don't wanna, you don't wanna damage a palm trunk. Uh, you can have issues that can happen, uh, anything from trunk rot from an injury to uh, Ganoderma. So um, uh, it's, it's a lot different than a tree. You, you piqued my curiosity, JB, when you talk about, because palms get wider. So when you think about the Midwest and all the other tree species, a deciduous tree, there is secondary meristem where it in, increases the girth. So there's outward growth and upward growth. If there's, if, there, if there's not cambium or compartmentalization, and there's a vascular bundle in the middle, it's like what's it, one third of the diameter is the vascular bundle. So it's pretty deep in the husk. What causes the what causes the mass? Well, it, how does it get wider? Well, some some palms they they actually don't they will get wider to a point, and then once they hit that that girth, then they start to just grow upwards, right? Like if you if you look at a Canary Island date, when they're very young, they're going to be low to the ground, and they get their girth, and then they just grow upwards. Um, but um. It's 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 different in a tree because you've got those growth rings and you 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 keep getting that girth as a tree gets older it's gonna the girth is gonna continue to grow where a palm it's not once it hits that point and starts to grow upwards that trunk's gonna pretty much stay that that diameter really that's kind of neat that's interesting I didn't know that yeah I'm I'm learning a I'm learning a lot out of this. Um, and I was, uh, this takes me back a few years, but I remember meeting, I believe, Dr. Dr. Ed Gilman. I think, Joe, you've met him. Right, yeah, yeah. I remember him talking about uh, some of the, some of the, just the ability for, for palms and how they, how they grow, how they are, uh, to where they're the perfect plant for a hurricane. Yeah. And you guys get your fair share of crazy wind events and rain events and all of that. Is there, other than removing some of the, the dead or dying fronds, is there anything that people do special to prepare for uh, an event like that or a season like that, like hurricane season? Yeah, yeah, that's a great, great question, Corey. Uh, you're right. After a hurricane here, we see the palms are, um, they're tattered, right? Um, but they survive where the, the hardwoods, we, we lose a lot of hardwoods, we lose a lot of pines. Um, to prepare for a hurricane, of course, in a hardwood, we're going to thin them out. We want to make them so they're not a parachute. Uh, they're not going to catch the wind. Palm trees, the one thing we want to do is remove the fruit, especially in coconuts, because those can become, you know, basically born cannonballs. So <laughs> we remove the fruit, we remove lower. You're not really going to lose fronds as much as you're going to lose that fruit. 
I never would have thought of it that way, but you're at, you got it. I, um, while I was down there, my, my five-year-old son, Rory, the neighbor had a coconut palm. I guess it was coconut. I don't know if there's more than one palm that has coconuts on it or is there only one, but. We've got actually two, two different types of coconuts down here. Not there around there. So I had to, I want a coconut dad. So I went and I, I went to whack one off the neighbor's tree with this boat hook. And believe it or not, a whole bundle of like eight of them came off all tied together. <laughs> so I'm thinking to myself, yeah, if that wind got that, man, that's, that's huge. Yeah. So we got coconuts here up in Michigan. We brought a couple home. I'm not sure if we're allowed. Are you going to plant them? We cut one open already and the milk was in there. And you know, believe it or not, it was pretty sweet. We liked it. Good deal. It's good stuff. It's healthy. Yeah. Um, we touched on planting. And for a lot of visitors to the Southeast United States, obviously Arizona, Texas, we always see them in the boxes with the two by four stakes holding it up. Now we know that when you plant it, you said that they got a fibrous root mat and it establishes quick. How, how long does that bracing have to stay on once you, and these palms are huge. How, how long should it or how long does it? <laughs> well, well, the textbook says. Um, yeah, it, it should be a year. You know, it, it, it's the same as if you're guying a, a, a tree, right? Um, usually after a year, we take them off. Um, so, um, I'll a year. It's amazing that because you got a growing condition down there where that, yeah, I'm talking about some big palms that they can establish and have enough fibrous roots growing that quickly to get established. Um, you have to realize too, our growing season down here, especially those big palms down south, that's a 365 day growing season. So um, they can establish pretty quickly. We you know do have some Central Northern Florida, some bit of dormancy, but you know, overall down here, we're, we're um, a 365 day growing season. Wow. Well, what's, what's interesting too is most of that, it would sound, it would, it would occur to me that most of that structural integrity and how that plant is staying up has to do with really plant establishment. Whereas in, with hardwoods, especially as you get towards more of these uh, temperate climates, trees deciduous trees will put on like um, tension and compression wood so they'll actually become like wind like wind strong or wind firm and if you leave those stakes on too long not only will you cut off some of that that flow of water nutrients but you can actually force that plant to have a weak spot so to hear that with palms it's less about that is just it's cool. It's cool to hear because I've never, I've never had the conversation. Well, you know, Corey, originally I was from the Midwest too. So I planted many, many trees up there and you're absolutely right with, uh, you know, with hardwoods, I, when, when I would stake a tree, you, even when you staked it, when you guide it, you want, you want some wiggle room in there, right? So that tree can kind of get some strength as it's, as it's establishing, you know? And um, so, yeah, that's, uh, but here, you know, the, the palms will establish, you know, fairly quick. But, um, you know, leaving the guying, the staking on for a year is probably your, your best bet. Wow. Oh, yeah, no, that, that is cool to hear. So we, we, we started off, I think we still got enough time. I think the, the listeners would like to, let's branch off into uh, plant health care, JB, a little bit. Um, you know, a big thing, I did a, I did a presentation recently and, you know, one of the, one of the big things up in the Midwest and a lot of part of the country is deep root fertilization. Um, 
Obviously, PHCs changed a lot through the years, and we're, we're more concerned about the overall environmental health of the environment so that plant can thrive. Is it, uh, you know, and then, you know, your secondary insects and diseases. Let's go into PHC a little bit. Is, is annual fertilization something that happens on palms? Is it something that we should be doing or thinking about? You know, um, it, it is. It's, you know, it's, it's a common practice down here. Um, mostly granular fertilizers. I would probably say it's, it's a quarterly application to these palms. Um, we're looking at some new, um, maybe uh, more uh, liquid, slow-release type fertilizers that you, you don't have to apply as often. Um, we're, we're looking into that right now. Um, I'm going to be working with some, some new products. And, um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, because again, because we have such a, a, a long growing season, it's really more of a, you know, down here, we're looking at like quarterly granular applications, I would say would be the, the, the main uh, fertilization practice for palms down here. So there is, is there a fertilization specific for the growth or for that plant? There are, there's some specific uh, palm fertilizers, you know, we're looking down here at, at more of the uh, analysis of like an 8210 8, uh, with, with micronutrient packages. Um, and then as you know here, you know, with, at, at ArborJet we do, um, we have some uh, um, products that we can inject uh, directly into the vascular tissue with, uh, with great results. Uh, one of the problems that we do have down here in Florida is we have very alkaline soils, you know, very sandy soils and areas. You've got a lot of areas of shell. Um, so our, our soils are very, very alkaline. So there's a lot of issues with, uh, with nutrient uptake. Um, and I, I always believe that more chelated type nutrient packages are going to be much more beneficial to the palm. But uh, we, we definitely, again, because we have a lot of palms that are not um, native here, the majority of palms that you see are not native. Uh, they need extra uh, special care as far as nutrients, because I think that's one of the, the biggest problems with our palms down here are nutrient deficiencies. And that can lead into other problems. We do have a lot of issues with, you know, insect issues and, and disease issues like lethal bronzing. But really, we've got a lot of issues with with uh, with nutrient deficiencies. With uh, with that said, nutrient deficiencies obviously, it's still it's still a plant. It's still a plant. Still needs to be healthy, and a healthy palm will resist insects and disease, similar to any other plant. Uh, what's going on with palms that people should be aware of? What if you were uh, down there and, you know, what, what are the big things? You know, we got, obviously you don't have Asian longhorn beetle or emerald ash borer or nothing like that. What's, what's, the, what's a couple of the big things with palms right now that people should be aware of? I would say, well, right now, probably one of the biggest problems in Florida is, is a, a, a bacterial issue called lethal bronzing. Um, it's it's uh it's been around for quite a long time very similar to uh, the lethal yellows that were hitting the coconuts um unfortunately there's no silver bullet for this disease it's it's a phytoplasm uh, which is a type of bacteria um we're doing a lot of work down here to try to figure out uh solutions for it uh, right now we have um I, I would call them more management type uh, uh ways that we approach it um not a control yet um we're still looking for that. 
I would say right now that's the biggest. We also have issues like uh, palm weevil, which will kill a palm. It feeds up near the bud and can kill a palm very quickly. Um, then just things like cold weather damage. Um, that, that's always another big one, especially, like I said, in areas where they're planting palms that are maybe not really cold, cold friendly, um, up in the panhandle and that. Uh, we do have issues with things like fusarium wilt, ganoderma, trunk rot, bud rot, um, and again, nutritional disorders. I think that's probably uh, the main things, which is a lot of things that can affect them. There's a lot of other insects we could talk about, but I don't look at them as really serious threats, um, but that's probably the big ones right there. Okay, so JB, as we're, as we're wrapping up here, um, how can people find you if they, have, if they have questions about maybe some of the tropical plants that they have in their backyard in Florida? How, how can they find you? What's a good, what's a good avenue? Facebook, LinkedIn? Uh, uh, they can go to Facebook. They can go to the ArborJet website. All of the uh, RTMs are listed right there. All my information is there. So I would say uh, the best place to go to would be uh, the ArborJet website, and they can, uh, they can find me right there. Awesome. More than willing to, to, you know, anybody that has any questions, uh, let me know. We can talk. I do, um, I do a lot of training throughout the entire Southeast, especially here in Florida. I'll be off tomorrow to do more training. Um, palms are tricky. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, uh, whether you're treating them, injecting them, um, there's no uh, blueprint to do a palm. They're, they're all, they're, there's so many different types of palms and so many different ways that we approach them to treat them. So. Uh, by all means, anybody that would like to get a hold of me, please reach out. Awesome, JB. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for your knowledge. I definitely got out a lot out of this, and I hope some of our listeners did too. Well, thank yeah, you. Thanks I, for having me, guys. I just think it's I, – I, I love palms. I really do. And, you know, it's amazing that when you think that you know a lot about the, the arboriculture industry – you reach out to a great man like you, JB, and you talk about a whole different region of the world that is totally different. And um, I think you're doing a great job down there. Keep up the great work. And thanks for thanks for coming on and uh, sharing everything you got with uh, our listeners tonight. Well, thanks, guys. Next time you're down here, too, make sure you hook up with me. Yeah. If we're, as soon as we're allowed – well, I know we're allowed to travel in Florida, but maybe someday we'll get down there and we'll do an event down there. And, yeah, that would be that would be fun. Definitely. Well, I appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Hey, great topic today. Yes. And lots of good information. Yeah. Probably one of our best yet. If you enjoyed the podcast or have topics you would like to discuss, please send them to discoveringforestry at gmail.com. And please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. Thanks guys uh, for tuning in until next time. I'm Joe. And I'm Corey. Signing, Signing out. out.